Hi, and welcome to the 53rd episode of the Machine Ethics Podcast. This episode was recorded on the 3rd of February 2021. We're chatting with comedian Anthony Jeannot. We talk about Netflix and recommendation systems, finding comedy in AI and the difficulties of doing that, AI written movies and theatre, content moderation, and biased algorithms, bringing in AI Ben back from the dead, AI in comedy and constructing jokes recursively, and much more. You can find more episodes at machine-ethics.net. You can contact us at hello at machine-ethics.net. Or you can follow us on Twitter at machine underscore ethics and Instagram at machine ethics podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash machine ethics. Thanks very much and hope you enjoy. Anthony. Thank you and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. If you could please introduce yourself, tell us who you are and what you do. So I am a comedian when that's not an illegal thing to do. And yeah, I, I, I have a podcast which I, I was thrilled to talk to you on where, where we, we discuss uh, various things. And I think machine learning is obviously one of those things that kind of I guess it's so different to what people expect it to be, right? Because in sci-fi, they expect Terminator and this and that. And so I, I think if I was to ask people about machine learning or like, what do you think of the ethics of machine learning down at the pub? People would be like, Anthony, are you stoned again? And I'd be like, no, but actually, what do you think? And they'd probably say like, oh, I just don't think it affects me. Whereas I look around and I'm like, dude, I mean, sure, it doesn't affect you if, you know, you never read news or you're not trying to date someone right now or you don't watch movies and TVs on Netflix. But <laughs> if you do any of those things, I'm pretty sure it does, you know. I don't, I've, I've never heard it. Ne- <laughs> what is this Netflix? What, what is that? <laughs> so I, I, I've not really looked too much into it, but I believe that it is a kind of decoy activity that you suggest to somebody if you're hoping to take them to bed that night. Ah, okay. Do you know what's an interesting thing is for AI skeptics, I think Netflix is a really great example of a reason why people Mm. maybe are like, oh, surely they're not that sophisticated because I've I've read that (laughs) Netflix is using AI to help inform some of its content creation, right? And there is no way an intelligent AI would ever give Adam Sandler a multi-million dollar movie deal. Like, there's no intelligence in that decision. I think they have algorithms that, like, check to see what are missing, right, in the catalogue. You can go, okay, loads of people are watching these romance films and lots of people are watching vampire films and lots of people are watching these documentaries about making supercars or something like that. And then there's there's this Venn diagram of people who like all those things, <laughs> but there's no programming which incorporates all those things. And that's how they can go, okay, we're gonna make that. Which I find is it's fascinating because it's really uncovering this like weird diamond in the rough. And you're still hoping that it's going to be a good program or like it's going to work out or whatever, that they're fulfilling that need, which is actually a a need that is wanted. But you can get some really bizarre combinations of things that way. (laughs) Yeah, like Wish.com, I imagine, is using the same kind of uh, algorithmic decision-making because it's like, do you want an ashtray that is also a resume? Like, no, nobody wants that. 
<laughs> I feel like that's a lot of things in life, though, that there's lots of things that are wholly unnecessary, but they exist for some reason or another. And I don't know who's buying these things. I don't know. I've got this thing about like unnecessary like products. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, like 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 any two dollar shop, right? Or, or yeah, like Poundland, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, when yeah, you just yeah, go exactly. in and you're like, who woke up today and said, I need a Christmas decoration on January third that is also a tote bag and can hold my nappies and also uh, can turn into a crown at a costume party and I need that for a pound and I need it really, really quick. I, I probably do need that. Actually. <laughs> That's one thing. I mean, I've got two kids and maybe you've just hit upon the most perfect idea unbeknownst to you there. Tomor- tomorrow on wish.com. <laughs> I, I've not heard of this wish.com. I don't know if it's one of those things. No, I'm like not joking. I'm legitimately, what is that? They are, as far as I can tell, a massive, massive advertiser on Facebook. And they are like the $2 store of the Facebook advertising world. And they just have some of the most bizarre products that ever, and, and, and I can only assume it's a game. It's like, smart algorithmic Mm. decision-making, and you will get things like an ashtray that is also a a sex toy or a a pram that is also a laser beam and a a cigarette lighter. And you're like, why are these things together and why do you think they interest me? But somehow... (laughs) You know that you obviously fit in a demographic who (laughs) want to buy tat and... You have bought something in the past that has <laughs> elucidated them to the fact that you are suggestible in some way. <laughs> Obviously, like following on from the podcast that we did together, which was excellent, obviously, so go check that out. The one thing that strikes me is that there is so little comedy and, and <laughs> laughter within the portrayal of AI, robotics, these sorts of things. I, I can think of one thing, and that's maybe in Interstellar, where they have like, I think it's Case, <laughs> he has to dial down his his humour setting. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Um, I can't, can you think of any other like portrayals of... I would argue that, that C-3PO was comedic. He's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he plays the straight man, but it's a funny straight yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely light relief, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. I, I have stumbled across an article that is like a selection of, of AI written jokes and they are all hilarious, but all just because of the absurdity. It's like one of them is, why do you call farts of tea? He was calling the game of dry. <laughs> <laughs> They're just absurdist, right? Yeah, I believe what it's trying to do is take the language from well-known jokes and mash it together. Uh, what, okay. What, what yeah. you get instead is hilarious. Mm. There was a like natural language model which produced a film script, like a science fiction film script, and it was called Sunscreen or Sunburn, something like that. And it was, I'm not saying bad, but it was just so bizarre. <laughs> and also because the directors had to like shoot this thing where it didn't really make any sense, right? So you're cutting between bits of dialogue which don't really like naturally join up because they're almost like two monologues happening. <laughs> so it's quite hard to watch, um, but 
it's obviously brought to life through the the direction and the acting and all that sort of stuff on top of that, which actually then makes it more appealing. Um, but go check it out. I'll put, I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. I mean, just listening to it, it does sound, again, not to, to harp on poor Adam, but it does sound like it's more worthy of, of a film contract than Adam Sandler. So, you know. You've got a real beef with Adam Sandler, man. What's the deal? What's <laughs> <laughs> he ever done to you? <laughs> I found that uh, the name of the film was Sunspring, and it's actually in 2016, so that's quite a while ago in technology terms. So kudos to them. I wonder if they give it a sequel. I'm pretty sure um, I've seen something about the the directors doing other things in that similar vein, where some sort of like more kind of action based love thing. And it was mostly choreography, right? So they were producing the script, which is mostly choreography for the, the for the dancing and stuff. And then these people had to like act that out, <laughs> and, and and you get this kind of absurdist kind of movements, like <laughs> like flay- Obviously, this is a podcast, so you can't see me flailing around. For those of you who can't see Ben on video, he looks like <laughs> you know uh, at a car sales yard how they have the flailing arm inflatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is exactly what he's ready now. Yeah, that's it. Come and buy the AI <laughs> thing. That's what it's going to be like. Are you not worried that you're, given the, the puns and the jokes that we can now automatically create, uh, that your <laughs> future career is going to be gazumped by these AI? I mean, we need to get back on stages before I even worry about that's true. that. Yeah. But uh, I... I it is interesting, right? Because I, I, I have long suspected that the long-lasting impact on comedy of the pandemic will be that mm. people are more absurd in their humour because we've had to be <laughs> by being locked in. And if, if that is what comedy becomes, then it's right for machines to, to go over the top because that's what they're going to do best, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think they should do all your writing in that case. <laughs> Yeah, get them in on this podcast. You can talk to an AI. Yeah. How much easier would that be as a podcaster if you could just talk to the machine and never have to, like, never have to be like, does 9 p.m. work for you? Nah, you just screwed mm. up your machine. I'm definitely going to have to do that in future podcasts. There, there is a theatre show, which I haven't seen, which I'd like to see by some fellow technical lovely people in Bristol, and it's called I Am Echo Borg, and it's about... Um, your job is to be the voice piece for the AI and it's like a job interview, right? So one of the audience members goes up and is the voice of the AI and another second audience member comes and sits and is interviewed by the AI. And it's quite, I mean, I haven't seen it again, but it's it's a bizarre thing because you're still having that human interaction, right? But the humans being like the puppet in this situation and they're having to repeat these things which are sometimes odd and bizarre or straight and they're having to put it on their own twist on it as well so next time maybe i'll get you on but i'll present (laughs) all the language to you through an algorithm and you're gonna have to just speak it however you like to speak it you'll perform the interview how's that uh yeah, why not? I mean, <laughs> assuming that the AI is is good, like I I, I would love mm. to take credit for somebody else's work. That is 
that is right up my my alley. That is modus operandi. Done. Right. Well, we'll stop here and then we'll <laughs> we'll come back. Come back, and I will give you better things to say from a rover. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It is ridiculous. Like these sorts of things often portray how ridiculous or how far we've come. Right. Yeah. So, do you think that the comedians have spent enough time with technology or like done enough jokes about kind of the situation that we're in because it seems like there's there must be so much in there to mine right especially now as we're spending a lot more time in front of our screens it's a really good question and i think um giving you a completely unfunny answer (laughs) as if to point out the difficulty of comedy about Mm. it is that the case of comedy is like getting to the point really quickly. And so you have to kind of use these broad brush strokes that everybody understands, right? And the problem mm. with AI, I think, and, and obviously we contribute to it by, by not talking about it, is there is just so much to unpack. And there, there is so much to unpack in terms of like what people expect it to be and what, as, as we kind of discussed at the top, what it already is that people kind of, I think... Filter out because out of fear, right? If I think if people mm. actually took stock and listed out, okay, AIs influence me here, 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 here throughout the day, you'd be like, what the hell? Like someone or multiple things that I've had nothing to say over, nothing to do with, are literally influencing everything I discover and 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 how that impacts who I am. You'd, you'd be like, oh no, I didn't sign up for that, <laughs> but because the cognitive dissonance helps us just, you know, it's convenient. I could think about the way that Google Maps is absolutely intrusive and doing all these things. But then also, mm. where am I going to get my coffee? You know, so it's a really hard one to unpack from stage. What I do think may change that, and I think it's something mm-hmm. that, that that is even new or, or increasing with speed since we spoke last time, is the expansion of aggressive rollout of content moderation on, on social media platforms. Because I think since, since Jan 6 and since they started banning people, those content moderation platforms have got a lot more automated even since then. I've been banned mm. three times since January 6th and never for doing anything outrageous or horrible. Like the first one, and, and this is where I think maybe people will want to talk about it more, right? Because because mm. one of the problems with AI in that sense at the moment, the way it is deployed, is that it's a, a crude tool that has no context. So the first time I got banned from Twitter was on the day of the interaction when Kevin Saboros, a.k.a. Hercules, was defending the uh, insurrectionists. I think he tweeted something like, Mm. we must respect these brave patriots or something like that. And I tweeted back simply, I think you mean domestic terrorists and then two choice adjectives. And I got banned and he didn't, right? Yeah, yeah. That seems like a language thing, though, not like a like a sentiment thing, which is weird, isn't it? Well, exactly. That That is the problem, is I think the way they're deployed mm. at the moment, their crude language, is this mm. something that we have flagged as bullying before or isn't it, based on these selection of words? And I think, obviously, then, look, I, I'm absolutely not like a 
freedom of speech guy. I think it's ridiculous. But I think if you have, again, unelected, undemocratic, untransparent Mm. machines making decisions that can impact people's creative freedoms as comedians or whatever, I think then you're Mm. more likely to have comedians going, well, hang on a second, let's start to tinker and unpack what is in this. And then hopefully we see more about it then because I, I think comedians are selfish at heart and that's what it'll take. I don't know if you're selfish. That's mean. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> I mean, it takes a lot of self-importance to stand in front of a room full of people, the only one with a light and an amplified voice, and talk about yourself for an hour. That's true. I was thinking when we were talking before about, you know, what it would take to stand up in front of people and talk about this stuff and make it funny. I think that's a big challenge, right? Because like you were saying, you have these shorthands, these like big brushstrokes that you can defer to because we want this to land with the most amount of people. So we're going to use this type of language. But if you wanted to get to a joke which involved like some sort of machine learning understanding and how neural networks worked and why these things are stupid, you would have to then build up this like underlying layer upon layer of like mini jokes on how these things are created, right? Yes. Until we get to the main (laughs) crux. (laughs) Then they've unbeknownst they've learned about how it all works and that that sounds like a really good challenge right there i think that is exactly right like if you wanted to tackle that subject yeah that's what you would need to do because essentially to, to, to be able to land your ultimate punchline yeah you need everybody to take them along the way and, and explain everything and everything you need to explain needs to be a good joke and needs to get to the punchline within about a minute. It gets super meta. You'll, you'd end up like one of those crazy people with the pin boards and yeah, yeah. Uh, strings. And <laughs> Although that could be a great prop for the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm expecting that once, once the show's open, all right? Well, I've got enough time on my hands, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I have a question for you on that. So, again, Mm -hmm. hypothetically, we're going down this rabbit hole. I imagine as somebody who actually pays a lot of attention to AI, you get just like a bunch of ridiculous and funny examples of it going wrong. What are some of those that, you know, as I'm writing the show, I need to be like, ah, that's where I get them. That's where I get the laugh. The problem is that a lot of the stuff that I do really emphasizes the negative right they they (laughs) emphasize like this is a big problem because of x because this person was misidentified and now they're Uh, really annoyed and or like you know it's to do with those bigger kind of headline stuff and i was trying to research some stuff for today but what is stupid is the ways that things can fail like face recognition in China, for example, was recognizing the CEO of some company's face on a bus as a jaywalker. And you get these like lovely like <laughs> things that tie together because no one's thought about it. Not, yeah. not not they haven't thought about it. They haven't they haven't covered off all these kind of strange eventualities, right? In the design of the of the products. So you get like these, you know, really wealthy people getting fined on a daily basis. <laughs> 
probably with their own technology, which is quite nice. I think that's uh, that's a good example. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a great uh, example of due diligence if it is his own technology. Yeah, I, I remember watching a TED talk of a um, facial recognition designer who, to get some of the products she was working on, had to use a white mask to get the machine to recognize her face. And it's like, you've yeah. really messed something up quite bad if a expressionless mask is recognized above and beyond an actual human face. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a whole load of stuff. I think there's there's quite a few episodes where we've talked about these kind of unintended consequences, these unconscious biases, all these different ways of these sorts of outcomes to trickle into not just the system, but like the way models are implemented and the models are trained and the types of data and uh, the feature selection of the data that the data scientists are doing and the kinds of algorithms they're using. Like there's all these different ways that these different things can fit together, right? And all these opportunities to to pull the leather and to pull the lever in a certain direction and there's always a human pulling that lever so like that's the really important thing about all these technologies that but we're not quite at that kind of self-creation bit yet so yeah i think those things are pretty horrific and pretty stupid but i guess it's easy for me to say on the side of the the mic right see this is this is the question i have because i'm gonna Mm -hmm. stick with you i'm gonna say that i think it's pretty stupid on the basis of this right like i am not smart enough to put together one of those those platforms i wouldn't know the first step and so it's clearly very smart, very intelligent people working on these things. And mm-hmm. there are enough mm-hmm. examples of it going wrong for, for people to be like, oh, maybe we should just do some testing before we put it out in public. And yet these clearly smart people keep making this clearly dumb mistake. And I get that there's a lot of levers, but at yeah, some point yeah. you just test it. Yeah. Well, you, you can imagine how that plays out, right? So you're in this big company and you're like, okay, so we've got this new face recognition thing, which is going to tell us whether you're happy or sad or something. And for some reason, we want that. And, you know, you're Jeff and Jeff is, you know, Caucasian British person. And he tests it out on himself and goes, okay, great. Like he says, I'm sad or whatever. And then he goes to Jackie, he's in the next office and Jackie's a you know, Caucasian American lady and she comes in and it works for her. And then they, you know, test with someone else. And maybe they even do some more testing, like outside testing, and it still works. And that testing pool is always going to be much smaller than the millions of people that are going to use it, right? (laughs) So that's that's what you're fighting against. So the problem is that we can't test on 7 billion people. You can't test on 7 billion people. But you can test across a demographic of that 7 billion people, right? You can do, you know, better and worse testing. But it's not just testing. It's just like building the thing in the first place better, incorporating some of those people in that process, in the data, in the conversation. But it it does come back to something that we kind of touched upon when we spoke last, and it is a really hard thing. Again, if we're trying to write comedy about it, it would be one of the difficulties of it as well, is that... It is such a weird thing, the way that AI technology increasingly seems to be a really great funhouse mirror that just like blows up the worst parts Mm. of biases that 
we as as straight white people kind of don't see in a day-to-day life. And then all of a sudden you've got this AI going, bah, have a look, a whole company forgot to test on subsection of the community. And so it's one of these things where we have a broken society building technology that is broken that then reflects that. So it gets very hard to go back to the AI and go, oh, bad AI. No, like people <laughs> making bad AI. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to get slightly more technical on you here to try and explain how you feel about that. But these machine learning systems learn from data, right? So they, uh, a lot of them aren't generating causation. They're not generating X does Y because of Z, right? They're generating these things are correlated. So if you give it data that has those biases in it, e.g. human data, because we're all like crazy humans who are narcissistic and uh, alcoholics and all sorts of <laughs> strange things that we do, says me drinking a glass of whiskey, <laughs> other vices are available. Um, it's going to pick up on the data it's given, right, in, in a lot of these instances. The machine learning systems, the AI isn't going, oh, that's interesting. That must mean that that's a thing. It doesn't know anything's a thing, right? Yeah. It's it's not making those uh, correlations in causation. It doesn't understand that. So it's hard to expect it to be better than us, essentially, in that respect. But what it is better than us is it's always going to be faster and it's going to be possibly more efficient and it's possibly going to be more accurate across a a range right it's not going to be more accurate than the most accurate human being at a certain process but it is going to be getting there so so you you can kind of go well i can't look at 100 million images and work out like all the cats in them uh in 10 minutes you can't do that like that's not like as a human being that you just you just can't but you could probably do that better than the machine given more time right you could definitely do that yeah so that's not what the machine learning things are giving us they're giving us this other stuff which is speed and efficiency and the correlation stuff and it's kind of up to us to then at the moment like i'm saying put these two and two together investigate things, uh, work out how things work and tease that out and then make slimmer models, models that don't incorporate all that crap because we actually now have learned something. We now know more about the world and that's how we should be treating it. Not, I'm going to sell you that sex toy with a lighter (laughs) more efficiently. Like, (laughs) it's uh, coming back around. I I do think that's a a really good point in terms of, speed and efficiency versus accuracy because I and and I do think it's again it's one of the reasons perhaps I think so many people have misunderstandings about where AI is at because they've got uh, a degree of expectation and then there is all these big news articles about things and, and and people probably don't appreciate that it's about speed and not accuracy like Cambridge Analytica for example I remember one of the big headlines around that time was that like Given all your Facebook data, Cambridge Analytica only needs six interactions to know everything it needs to know about you. And I I just remember reading that and going, with most people, I only need one. Do you deny climate change? That's all I need to know. (laughs) Are you following QAnon? Don't need to know anything else. (laughs) Is the world flat? Yeah, that's all I need to know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think um, that... It depends what you think what knowing someone actually is as well. It's like for their purposes, maybe that's all the interaction they need 
to rip you off or like to sell your personality kind of category to someone. But that's that's not who you are, right? <laughs> In that specific case, all they needed it to do was, you know, nothing too major, just deter people from voting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Anthony, what do you think about deep fakes? Are you a deep fake? I, I mean, I could be. I think, do you know what would be great? It, it's, mm. it's a long way away now, but it would have been great to be able to deep fake my face into really impressive scenarios when I was a single person on Tinder and just like, you know, just deep fake myself climbing a mountain. Deep fake myself, you know, just like yeah. not nothing that I couldn't pull off and you know make a conversation about in real life. I don't want to trick people too much, yeah. but just enough to be like, yeah, that was me. Do you know what else? That was my six pack. I, I would have loved a chatbot that like learned my decision making and chat pattern, so it was me. But just mm-hmm. I set it loose, and then it just notified me when I had a date. Like, hey, you've got a date Tuesday eight pm. Saw it in your calendar. And then I just rock up and it's still me. Like, <laughs> I think that's very doable. <laughs> and Is that just because I've got a limited vocabulary? <laughs> that is like, especially the text version. Of, we could do that. All right, let's, let's get on that. <laughs> I, I am slightly worried. And I don't know, this might get you worried as well. I'm, I'm slightly worried, right, that if at some point in my future, when I pass over, that I've got all these recordings, right, that you're listening to right now of me speaking and there's all this text um, that I've produced in my lifetime, um, writing things down. There's probably lots of images of me. I think you could just recreate a Ben Byford. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but you could just do, well, Ben Byford, uh, what do you think about that? And, and ben Byford, have you this. not seen this? Because I'm about to blow your, your mind. It's serendipitous. I I was talking about the future of dating recently and I came across an article. Microsoft had just patented a technology that I believe the idea is that it will use your social media data, your speech recognition, Mm. your speech patterns and 3D hologram imaging if if the video footage is available and it it will be a bereavement tech. It'll be like, you know, if, if you were to knock on wood, tragically pass young and your your family were like no no we yeah, could yeah. never move on it has to be ben or it's nobody i can't eat i can't sleep ben or nobody and then they can just microsoft yeah. will you know charge them a yeah. ton of money for robo ben and they can just install me in the middle of the table and i can just kind of float around answering questions help me ben byford you're my only hope so i feel like scared but also you can see why people are attracted to it although is is on that kind of like uncanny valley where it's weird to know what to think about that. Oh, um, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 what I put in a it's one of many items I put in a big category of like. There is no way I am going to have the answer <laughs> to that, so let's not think about just because I think even even with like social media and the stuff we're talking about now in terms of uh, mm. AI's influencing discovery on a host of platforms, it's developing so fast and so subtly and we're, we're, we're so unaware of it. And obviously life is messy and there's this and that and this. And so it's hard to get causation anywhere. The impacts of the technology, I think, are, are, we're years away from actually understanding. Like, like I can imagine my grandson just like, like 
And that's where they all went wrong. And all of us looking back and going, oh, we didn't know that's where it all went wrong. Like we thought it was over here, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, it's it's just another one of the could that be where it all goes wrong? Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, there's this tiny thing that we did. I did see uh, it's it's a meme that I did like, which was like a bunch of dominoes. And one end, it was like guy who wanted to get laid in Harvard at college. And then at the other end, it was insurrection on January 6th. So it was like, this was the domino that... It could have been so different. It could have been so different. <laughs> if you had the opportunity just to have load of things like rocking around your house what kinds of things would you want so obviously it's easy to think about uh hoovers <laughs> hoovering and, and going around the house what other things would you enjoy if there was sort of robotics or ai things that could help you out do you know what I, a lot of it comes down to i think i'm a bad friend <laughs> a lot of it comes down to conversational <laughs> stuff like there are a lot of friendships that i have where i'm like oh you are a good friend, but a lot of these conversations are work. So maybe if I could just roll the AI out on some of that. <laughs> I uh, I make terrible fashion decisions. I would really like help with that. Just like even, do you know what? All it needs to be a, is, is a mirror that goes red mm -hmm. if I have toothpaste on my face. That's it. If I'm leaving the house with toothpaste mm -hmm. on my face, it goes red. Mm -hmm. I go, oh, toothpaste on my face. Go back in. That must happen at some point. Right. Yeah. There must be some sort of patent for a mirror that tells you how you are today compared to how you've been in the past and and what the time is and what calendar of things you have and uh, whether you should take your vitamins and stuff like that. I'm sure that there's, there's something like that yeah. in the works. I mean, Tinder yeah. would have a buttload of data on like what people are likely to swipe right on or left on or whichever. It's been mm. a long time. Mm. But so all you do is you take that data and you put it on a mirror and it gives you like percentage somebody would swipe on you today. Boom. Oh, man. There's, that reminds me of a thing that we used to teach uh, in one of the, the data science courses I worked on. And it was around Uber, right? So they have all this locational data. And quite a few years ago now, they put out this blog post, which was about rights of glory, I think they called it, or fares of glory. And they're about this Venn diagram, like this correlation of rides that were happening in cities, so they could compare against different cities, of how many people and at what kinds of times of the day you would have passengers leaving from probably a work address or some sort of other address, going to an unknown, never-been-before address, and then coming back like six hours later to their home address and correlating that with this ride of glory, right? Or this, um, you know, one-night stand, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, be, uh, let's be more vulgar. Yeah, um, yeah. And they were calling out, like, more promiscuous cities ah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do love I do love when companies use data for, like, in, in an anonymized way for clever stuff like that. Like when hmm. Spotify, like, the, the million people who played all by myself on Valentine's Day, we see you. I'm like, yes, give us that wholesome content. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that's like human nature stuff. That's like that mirror back on us, right? Yes. And a lot of this stuff is off, like, coming back to the bias and things like that, is often, like, portraying what it is that we aren't, seeing about ourselves or, or what necessarily we couldn't see because it's just amongst all this information right and it goes well there's a correlation there 
And it's because lots and lots of people just happened to do this weird thing at this weird time and we didn't know and no one talked about it, you know? And now we can see that. Yeah, I have a friend who is like, because obviously there are bits and pieces of things that are trying to do this right now, but unsuccessfully, but he's got like a smart watch, a smart ring, and one of them is like temperature Mm. and one of them is mood and one of them is heart rate. And then they all plug into his smart app and it's like, oh, I mean, you are getting lots and lots of data on yourself what does it tell you? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure someone somewhere will find this profitable, probably. <laughs> there is a good website for that, actually, with people who are obsessed with like making notes of certain things about themselves. So it's often people who will like note down like when they have a stool, like past the stool, like every day, and they'll upload to this website and you can cross compare all this stuff. It is bizarre, but also fascinating. So yeah, there. Are, I mean, there's there's all sorts of people doing all sorts of things. So <laughs> I, I'm not surprised at that behaviour, to be honest. <laughs> that and that's without the apps, right? It must get even worse. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Because that is that is the thing that uh, mobile phones did, right? They're like, here you go, go free with whatever data you want, and you oh look at these graphs. Like, oh man, have you seen my graphs? It's like, yeah. Great. Strava. Strava is mm. another one. Like, it's like, cool. Do you know what? You went for a run. Great. Yeah. Do you know who you can tell? Someone else. There was this case where I don't know if it's Strava or it was the Nike running app. It was one of those. And Strava or Nike put up the information of like popular runs in different places, right? Across the world. And one of these runs was in a unmapped area of a country that had a military base on it (laughs) and this uh, person or people were using the app and doing their exercises with it but unbeknownst were sending this information that they weren't supposed to be sending out into the world and they could now kind of you know someone could pinpoint where they are basically so you get all these kind of odd occurrences where again like these circumstances haven't been necessarily thought about or rather us people haven't been told that this is like a problem right yeah yeah do you know what though tying together multiple parts of our conversation what we need is an ai movie script about (laughs) the dude lonely dude he's running on his military base unbeknownst to him his perfect match is nearby she's a runner And finds this popular run on Strava. All of a sudden, they discover, you know, the army base. Oh, no, she's arrested. Mm -hmm. He breaks her out. Happy ending. Nice. Great. And it's all scripted by AI as well. All scripted by AI. So you get beautiful things like the cat (laughs) is black. Yes, but why is it on the floor? And then they kiss. Yeah. (laughs) And then no one knows what's going on. Yeah. I like it. I don't have any cash to throw at it right now, though, so... Funny, I did read the other day that um, you can't have conversations in dreams. Your brain isn't wired to have two people talking to each other. So you can have mm. dreams with two sets of dialogue, but they can never intersect. And I, I, it sounds a lot like the AIs are writing our dreams. That is bizarre. I mean, my dreams are so boring right now. <laughs> <laughs> it 
is it is another AI thing, right? Rubbish in, rubbish out. We are... Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. You get these bizarre um, things like coming together in your mind or in this AI, which eh, at the moment, I mean, it could be so much more exciting for sure. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't have any good dreams to tell you about. <laughs> well, I am going to call it. But before I do that, I'm going to ask you uh, another question. Is there something that really excites you and really scares you about our future of automated technology? That's a great question. I think as as somebody who, again, worked, worked in digital advertising a little bit, does comedy and has been on the wrong end of the band's hammer multiple times in the last couple of weeks, I think my immediate curiosity and concern is the way that it impacts discourse now, um, which isn't a funny answer, but it's a true one. Like it is, mm. it, it is a huge concern of mine that that the way that these echo chambers work, the way that it seems like people who I disagree with and I would call scumbags are better at manipulating them than us, and there is a little bit of envy there from me as well. I, I think all of those things worry me greatly. I think what I'm excited about and optimistic about is the fact that smart people make these things, right? And there is within that the possibility to remove some of the stuff we discussed earlier. There is the opportunity to rebuild some of these things deliberately if we take that opportunity. And that can be in the same way that the biases forming to begin with was completely unconscious and nobody mm. noticed and nobody was hurt by it, undoing it could kind of be super unconscious and nobody actually needs to feel hurt by it. Like it's, it's that crazy thing of, of like when you talk about privilege with people that like equality feels like oppression to the privileged, but actually that's because you're taking stuff away consciously. If you were to subtly remove it in a way that they didn't know, then all of a sudden you don't have crybabies going, oh no, I'm not getting what I want. No, you just didn't notice mm -hmm. it, right? Um, and so I think there's a huge opportunity to to kind of bend the stick back the other way by being deliberate with some of this stuff and removing some of the, the in, inequalities that we didn't know we built into society to begin with. Yeah, nice. I think that's a really nice sentiment. I don't think it's one of those things that you could just pull the, the lever and have it happen no. overnight, right? But, you know, if you look 50 years into the future, you can move towards that. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you very much for joining me on this bizarre episode. <laughs> Thanks uh, for having me. Where we rambled about all sorts of things, pound shops and... <laughs> uh, Wish.com. Um, I apologise if Adam Sandler sues you at the end of this. <laughs> Adam Sandler. Yeah, exactly. So if people want to find you, follow you, uh, contact you, how do they do that? So on Twitter, it's at Anthony Juneau. Uh, my podcast is Highbrow Drivel. So there's a great episode with Ben there. I, I highly recommend you check out where we discuss a lot of, I guess, the, the, as you said at the start, like the, the mm. beginnings of this conversation started there. On Instagram, I'm Anthony Janot. Obviously, want to get Ben back. So if you've got any questions on this episode that you would like us to discuss again, hit, hit me up and, and we'll, we'll discuss doing this again. Nice. Thanks very much. Perfect. Thank you. Hi and welcome to the end of the podcast. Thanks again for Anthony for joining us today and again for asking me to interview on his podcast. 
It was a bit of a different episode this time, so hopefully it was a bit more open to people who maybe didn't know all the lingo and wanted to get up to date, but also could have a little bit of fun. Um, I hope that came across. That was the kind of intention. Um, slightly more light-hearted episode this time, as opposed to our normal output. So thanks very much for bearing with us. Um, if you'd like to give us some feedback, then please, that'd be really great. Um, contact me at hello at machine-ethics.net and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, machine underscore ethics and machine ethics podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash machine ethics. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next time.